Kathy Woods spent more than 30 years in prison for a murder in Reno she did not commit. Michelle Mitchell, a University of Nevada Reno student, was murdered just across from the UNR campus in 1976. Local prosecutors went after Woods as the main suspect. Three years after Mitchell's murder, Woods confessed to the crime. However, she suffers from schizophrenia, and DNA evidence exonerated her. She was released from prison in 2015. Evidence shows the real killer is most likely Rodney Halbauer, who was already serving time in prison. For this episode, we speak with former Reno Police Lieutenant J. Andre Bowles, who is now a true crime writer. For This Is Reno Radio, I'm Bob Conrad. J. Andre Bowles has two books about true crime in Reno, Nevada. His latest is about Rodney Halbauer, or The Monster on Gypsy Hill. It's about the Gypsy Hill murders, as well as what happened to Kathy Woods. Welcome to the program, Andy. Uh, I'm an ex-cop, retired as a lieutenant out of Reno PD, worked for a couple other departments before that, and I'm an ex-lawyer, and now I write true crime books. And uh, my second book is called Monster on Gypsy Hill. And as with most of my uh, writing subjects, uh, this is primarily based on what I was there to see, not necessarily directly involved, but I was there as a witness starting in this case in 1976. Wow. Okay. So 76, let's, let's talk about the words Gypsy Hill. What, what and where is Gypsy Hill? Gypsy Hill is a, 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 a hill in a, kind of an undeveloped area, real pretty, dark and green in Pacifica, California. It's just over the, just south of San Francisco. And it's the least developed of that part of the world. There's a lot of open space and green grass and dark trees. It's really a pretty area right on the ocean. You can hear the ocean at night. And I used to live there. I lived there in 1976, 75 this, and this, 6. This is absolutely uncanny to me, but you were living there when what happened, and then you moved to Reno, and then what happened? That's kind of the na- nature of this story. That's, that's exactly right. It is uh, uncanny. It's a little crazy in my mind. I once in a while wake up thinking, whoa. Is this for real? <laughs> I, I come up with some dark thoughts. I'll just put it that way. But uh, I used to, I used to, I was, I was uh, an amateur fighter at the time. I worked for San Francisco PD, and I was an amateur fighter. And I used to run uh, down the coast to Sharp Park Boulevard. I think it's a boulevard. Anyway, it goes up past the uh, golf course. And then I'd come back on Skyline and then drop back to my the house I lived in with my wife and, and newborn baby. And uh, all these, all, all the murders in that part of the world happened pretty close to where I used to train. And real close, two of them happened real close to where I trained. Uh, that, was my, uh, that was my running route that I ran every, 
12, six days a week. What's st- what started happening in, in the mid to late seventies in that area? Well, 1976 in January was the first one of the Gypsy Hill victims that we know of. She was killed in January, and then uh, another uh, one was killed in January. And then uh, there was a murder in February in the same area. And then there was the Reno murder that nobody tied to the Gypsy Hill cases. And then there were two more cases, one in uh, South San Francisco and the other one, I think it's Daly City. But all these are within a, oh, if you drew a big circle on the map, it'd be about 10 miles apart. And most of them, well, at the time, it was my impression, and I didn't work any of these cases directly. I just heard of them because... You know, we were we were in San Francisco and these all happened on the other side of the county line. But we were aware of them, but nobody seemed to understand that this could be the same guy. At least that was my impression. And and in fairness, though, police work is a lot different today than it was back in the mid to late 70s. I mean, we've had a ton of cases revisited over the years because of new technologies. Yeah, and I, I will say this. I'm not going to say that police work has changed because I think it's pretty much the same uh, as it always was, and that's cops bumbling around in the dark trying to figure something out with no lights. I mean, that's the way it works. People don't come out come out and help us catch them. Uh, but what has changed is science, and that's been a gigantic change in the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, police works pretty much the same, but, uh, the, uh, science world has changed so much. It just, well, it's been, it's been wonderful. I think we all, someday we may be able to eliminate serial murderers, at least do so, uh, much more quickly. We, we're going to be able to find them a lot more quickly. I hope. Yeah. So what happened in, in the mid to, to late 70s, uh, you know, in South San Francisco area and then in Reno? Uh, what can you say about what happened here? Well, what what happened was we came to find out that uh, there was a serial killer out there. And of course, we didn't know that for sure until 2013 is when somebody started really putting this together and there were some ideas out there, but that's, uh, that's when looking back on it, that's what we know now. But back in 1979, uh, Reno PD found, uh, a poor besotted lady in the, in a mental institution down in Louisiana and went down there and allegedly got her to confess to killing one of these people. So uh, she went to jail. And that was in 1980. And then 1986, 85, 85, she got convicted a second time because the Supreme Court threw out the first conviction. So uh, Michelle Mitchell, the Reno victim, was uh Everybody, not everybody thought, but some people thought we'd caught the right person. I didn't 
I always had doubts about that case, and a lot of good cops did. But uh, nothing happened in the San Francisco or the South San Francisco and the San Mateo County cases until 2013. So the lights went on, and then in the time since 2013 and the present, uh, there's still some, some stuff going on, but we know who did. We know who pretty much who, who killed all six of these women. Yeah, and who is that? Uh, Rodney Halbauer. And Except, how was that uh, connection made? I have Marie to be Marie. clear on this. The sixth one, Denise Lampy, uh, it's pretty clear that Rodney Halbauer did not kill her. She was the last one, but he did it looks pretty certain that he killed the first five. Uh, three of those, uh, they've matched his DNA. There was a cigarette butt found at the Reno murder scene. And years later, thanks to the lady who'd gone to prison on a false conviction, she asked that the court allow them to revisit the evidence, when they did, they found that the cigarette butt had the DNA of a male. They didn't know who the male was, but it was the cigarette butt found at the crime scene that led to the conclusion that, whoops, this lady shouldn't be in prison. And so, that, that was that DNA that linked to Halbauer then? Well, it not right away. We didn't know who it belonged to. Everybody was scratching their head. I even got involved as a as a citizen, not a non-cop at that point, because I'd been around uh, while they were investigating that case. And so a lot of people were trying to figure out who it was. Well, it turns out a year later that Al Bauer's DNA shows up because he got transferred from the Nevada system to the Oregon system. That's another story there. But when he got transferred to Oregon, uh, they took his DNA and put it into the the CODA system. And when they put it in the CODA system, they got a hit. They got a hit on three dead ladies, one from Reno and two from, uh, from, uh, um, the Bay Area, those being two of the murder victims on Gypsy Hill. Wow. And so it's only because of DNA evidence and being entered into the federal um, DNA database. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a filing system where they keep people's DNA. And anybody who's convicted of certain crimes uh, in the modern criminal justice world has to give a sample. Mr. Halbauer went to jail in 1976 and pretty much stayed in jail except for a couple of escapes. And because of that, the, the uh, age of those convictions, he wasn't in the system. But when he transferred to do some time in Oregon, they took his, uh, his DNA sample and bingo, they found the match on three of these cases, one in Reno and two in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. So help me out with the timeline here, Andy. Um, the, the first cases that started appearing in uh, the Gypsy Hill murders were in the mid to late 70s. Uh, when was Michelle Mitchell 
when she got murdered at UNR or just just off UNR property? What year was that? Oh, it was. They were all in 1976, and five, all six of these murders I've been discussing happened between January 76 and uh, I think April, the first of April or so. Uh, they all went down in a matter of about four months. All six At one point, them. then, that means Halbauer had come to Reno for some reason. Yeah. Rodney Halbauer used to like to visit Reno. He'd come to Reno with his family and, and hang around downtown. And, in fact, uh, Rodney had raped and been arrested for raping a car dealer in 1975, right around Thanksgiving, and had been had done some time in Reno, in the jail, waiting uh, trial, and he got out right around Christmas of '75. Uh, in Jan- early January, he killed his first victim that we know of in uh, San Mateo County in the Bay Area. Okay, and. So Michelle Mitchell, when did when do we actually find out for sure? Even though this poor woman had um, uh, allegedly issued a confession to her murder, when do we find out exactly when uh, or who her killer really was? Well, we found out it, that it was a male in 2013 and 2014. Uh, we we I didn't have anything to do with it. I just watched, but. Uh, Alan Fox and, and his troops figured out it was Rodney Halbauer. They went and talked to him, and Rodney's not talking about it. At least he's not telling the truth about it, but that's when and how they caught him. And Alan Fox is, uh, was with the Reno Police Department? Uh, Alan Fox and I worked Reno PD uh, at the same time. He's a bit, quite a bit younger than I, and he came in after I'd been in the business quite a while, but uh, he was a... He was a cold case detective for Reno PD uh, and did uh, done a really good work for Reno PD. He's a great homicide dick. Great. And how, so how does, um, and, and what's her name, the woman who had made this confession? Uh, Kathy Woods. So Kathy Woods has been in prison then most of her life, it sounds like, based on this confession. Yep, 35 years. I think actually she went past 35 years, but it's right around 30, 35 plus years. How did that confession come about? Well, I don't know that it ever did. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sure she made some crazy remarks about what happened, but uh, nobody's ever heard the tape of her confession. That's the strange thing. And she made... Some kind of statement. She talked to the cops in 1979, but uh, for some reason, nobody taped that confession. Maybe it was before they invented the tape recorder, but that doesn't meet with my recollection. I don't think it does, because I've heard uh, recordings from the uh, Jimmy Hoff case that were done in, in that year as well. So, And those were yeah. cassette tapes. Ironically, there's some recordings in that case that are missing too, though. Yes. Um, so then what happens with Kathy Woods? So it's 2013. DNA evidence basically says there's no way that this 
could have been Kathy Woods that killed Michelle Mitchell um, across from UNR. What, what happens next? Well, interestingly, uh, the people involved in convicting Kathy Woods originally denied that she was not part of a team who killed uh, Michelle Mitchell. But uh, after, after all the evidence was in, it became clear, even though that to my understanding, no one has, has uh, taken credit for making a big mistake in that case. Uh, it's become quite clear that they had the wrong person. They had the wrong person the whole time. And probably I'd have to say that somebody should have looked a lot closer at that whole case and what had gone on. But sad to say, Kathy Woods uh, did all that time. Luckily, there was no death penalty in the United States for a short period of time. And had that not happened, Kathy Woods would have been convicted of capital murder in all likelihood. And maybe it would have just gone away and nobody ever would have found out they had the wrong person. Hmm. And it's, uh, is her, her case is still pending. I believe she's seeking restitution. She's settled uh, against at least one of the defendants. Washoe County, I believe. Yep, that's she settled against the then prosecutor Cal Dunlap, is my understanding. She got some millions of dollars, and there's still a case pending against Reno PD. Interesting. Okay, and that's that's for restitution or basically litigation uh, in regards to being uh, arrested and imprisoned for this crime that she could not have committed. That's payment for the 35 years she did that she shouldn't have done. Wow. And that's all right here in Reno, Nevada. Yes, it is. It's still going on for several years now. Yeah. All right, Andy. Uh, any last uh, thoughts that you want to let our listeners know before we hang up for the day? Oh, it's just one more story in the great saga of the criminal justice system in Nevada. And it's <laughs> and fun what, to look at. What do you mean by that exactly? <laughs> well, you're going to have to read the rest of the books. <laughs> uh, to be continued, in other words. Yes, sir. All right. More well, to follow. So. Yeah, thanks so much. J. Andre Bowles, uh, former lieutenant with the Reno Police uh, Department and former attorney and now a true crime writer. Thank you. Since this interview, Kathy Woods is set to receive another $3 million in a settlement with the city of Reno. Settlements have already been made with Washoe County, the state of Nevada, and Shreveport, Louisiana. Total settlements with Woods will top $10 million. Kathy Woods' attorney issued the following statement. Although there is no amount of money that could possibly compensate Kathy Woods for what she suffered as a result of being wrongfully convicted and imprisoned for over 35 years for a crime that she did not commit, the compensation will help her recover from this terrible ordeal. That's it for this week in Reno News. Please consider subscribing to This Is Reno if you value what we do. Visit thisisreno.com forward slash subscribe.